cinema, you know? This one. This is the one that we're actually back. Yes. This is the surprise. No, no is, is it the one before? This is the second one. Shit. We're okay. working backwards. All right. So. Oh, we're doing a, we're, we're doing a backwards We're thing. doing a memento. a memento. Yeah, we're doing a memento. So we're, we're, Sean and I are recording three episodes tonight, and we are working backwards. So um, this is the second of three. And then the next one we record, The Godfather, will be the first one you guys hear. So you guys have already heard this. So this is like Benjamin Button, where it's like, this is the point where we meet each other. Like, we're, we're the same age right now. Oh, cool. So. It's like we're going backward, you guys going forward, so it's good to meet you guys here. Why in the do I have this tattoo that says "Don't trust Todd"? <laughs> Get out of the house now. We should do Memento. That's a great movie. That is a great movie. I do love that. Yeah. Um. So our best picture series continues with Gladiator, the 2000 winner for best picture uh, at the Academy Awards. Won quite a few Academy Awards. Um, Nine, I think, right? Something crazy. I won a lot of them. Won best actor, I know for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I've got a list. Um, so yeah, our wines we are drinking because Russell Crowe is referred to as the Spaniard. He is a, I and mean, again, Russell Crowe is as Spanish as I am. Um, he is an Australian man speaking with a British accent, playing a Roman dict, uh, general from Spain. So <laughs> piece that one together. I mean, you know, Spaniards look different back then. <laughs> I mean, and. That was my experience in Spain. It was like they they look European. I mean, they're blue eyed, blonde. I mean, they they don't look different than any other Europeans from France or wherever. Um, they're they're lighter complected Spanish. Yeah, yeah they are. But you know, it's just like it's just funny that they're they're calling him the Spaniard, and there's just nothing Spanish about him. Well, you know, he's got those Spanish rice <laughs> recipes that he carries around. Exactly. Well, Spanish rice isn't. Even Spanish is it? No, it's no. Mexican. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, that would be even more confusing if he's an Australian man <laughs> with a British accent playing a Roman general. Carrying Spanish rice. From Spain. With Mexican food. Eating Mexican food. <laughs> if he had had a big plate of Mexican food this movie, I would give it a whole nother point. <laughs> that's up one whole number. Four tacos. Yeah. <laughs> if there's Maximus eating some chimichangas, that's up one point. <laughs> Maximus eating chimichangas uh, would be the name of a, a ska album. Exactly. It's shoegazing. <laughs> um, anyway, which and, and incidentally, this wine would go really well with Mexican food. Yeah, We're it having. would. This one's tasty. It is. This is the um, Tormarone Tempranillo. Toblerone? <laughs> this is Toblerone. This is delicious chocolate. That's Swiss. It is. Um, but Tormarone. Uh, this is the Ribera del Duero region of Spain, central north region of Spain. Uh, this is the Castilla along the Duero River. Um, Which Castilla is not Castle? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, my, my Spanish is rusty. As I imagine, Russell Crowe's Spanish is probably also rusty. Well, all of his language is rusty. <laughs> it's like. Because he's Rusty Crowe. <laughs> that was a stretch. Hey, um, So Tempranillo in Spain is known as Tintofino, and this is the most commonly grape, common grape grown in this region. This is about a $20 bottle of wine. It's. It's it's a you know bright medium bodied fruit forward wine. Um, it you know kind of has some, I would say kind of blackberry type flavors to it. Current flavors, current for sure. Yeah, it's it's a rich fruity. Uh, you could do this barbecue. You could do it with Mexican food. Uh, it go really well with chimichangas, Asian food. Um, anything that's got some cake barbecue, uh, anything zesty, be good. What would you what would you compare this to in terms of like? American wines or like Italian wines or French wines? Um, I, I would put it somewhere in the range of Syrah. Okay. You know, 
Yeah. It's in that in that area to me. Medium body, fruit four. Syrah can have a little more of a peppery flavor to it, but um, I'd put that in that range. Yeah. Lighter than a cab for sure, but way heavier than a pinot. Yeah, and it's not jammy. No. It's it's fruity, but it's not jammy. Mm-hmm. Like and a Zen. It's like a... Yeah. It's fruity, but it's not sweet. It's yeah, not, and it's not as dark as like a Merlot. Uh-uh. It's got a nice, good, deep... It's not heavy, color. but it's... Yeah, it's got yeah. a good body. Yeah, I, I like it. Yes, under 20, I said 18 bucks. So good job, Spain. This, this is a good purchase. Again, and we say this in the next episode, so we're time traveling, but Spanish wines are great. They're underrated. They really are. Yeah. And as we said, as we will say consistently in every episode, these first few movies are all Italian themed. So I could have done Italian wines for all three of them, but I wanted to branch out and do some different stuff. So um, because Russell Crowe is a Spaniard, we'll do a Spanish wine for this one. That's right. You heard it here first, folks. Todd thinks Italy is a monolith. <laughs> it's just the one good wine. He didn't want to do it. It is a big subject all of its own. Yeah. And in wine school, I mean, if you, if there was like a, a I mean, a, an actual college to learn all about wine, I think Italy would be like an entire discipline. We know within there, you'd specialize in Italian wine. It's that big. I heard at one point, I don't know if this is still true, that more wine, wine college would be crazy. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, that at one point, more wine was grown than recently in Sicily than all of Australia. Mm. Just just in Sicily. Oh. So Italy is that big in wine. I'm actually watching The Godfather started my wife and I planning our 10-year anniversary, wedding anniversary to go to Italy. So that's, that'll be in two years. Yeah, where are you going to go? What uh, part? We're still kind of ironing that out, but it's like, you know, it's like, we want to go everywhere. It's like just every, see everything. Yeah. We love Lake Como. Yeah. When we went. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those, like, it's, it's like going to just about everywhere else in Europe. It's like, you just, you could, can't hit everything, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but just hit wine country and just go deep, you know, but, you know, see the, see the beaches, see the, you know, the, the, like you say, the, the water, see the, the lakes and all that stuff is yeah. great, but. Highly recommend Coma. That's yeah. cool. I hear great things about Italy. I've always wanted to go. Yep. So been to Europe, never been to Italy. So mm. there's that. Um, but so, Spanish wine. But Spanish wine with Gladiator. That's there. the ticket. Yep. So a little bit about Gladiator. This is released May 5th, 2000. Grossed $503 million. It's a, um, pretty big for that time, $103 million budget. This was the second highest grossing film of 2000. Can you name the number one movie of that year? Number one movie of 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, the Matrix was 99, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't be that. Um, Mission Impossible 2? Yep, you got it. Did I? Yep. Fuck yes. Yep. Let's go. Uh, this won five Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Actor for Russell Crowe. Uh, this was nominated against Chocolat, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, and Traffic. When did they start doing 10 nominations? What year? In the last five or six years. Okay. It's been okay. pretty pretty recent. They opened up the field. They kind of did the, the college football playoffs thing where they were like, okay, Everybody. if everyone's going to complain about who wins, let's just open it up more and still pick the person we want. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So this is directed by Ridley Scott, and this is based on the book Those About to Die by Daniel Mannix. Um, the story is a heavily fictionalized reimagining of ancient Rome. This is a cinematic, com- complete reimagining of, of ancient Rome. Wait, uh, this isn't historically based? Very loosely. So in a sense that there really was a Marcus Aurelius and there really was a Commodus. And, but it's kind of the movie Braveheart where it's like... You're telling me there really was a Roman Empire? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, it's like in, in Braveheart, there really was a William Wallace, but he bore the very little resemblance to the person in that movie. Yeah. Kind of like this. The people in here, there was a communist, but he, by all accounts, was not like what Joaquin Phoenix. Wasn't a great guy, but wasn't like this. Yeah. Um, uh, there weren't a lot of great dudes who were just like, you know, yeah. ruling Rome for a while. Yeah. Um, that's, but like General Maximus Decimus Meridius was a fictionalized person. So that's way too badass of a name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just so Roman. It's so Italian. Um, but not Spanish. That name is not Spanish at all. He probably got like Roman nicknames for funsies. Yeah. From probably. his Roman friends. That's right. Um, Roman nicknames for funsies is definitely a ska band <laughs> album title. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, Maximus, <laughs> all those goddamn horns. Um, he leads a triumphant campaign in the opening reel against the Germanic hordes. Um, he is shown to be a favorite, uh, basically favorite commander for uh, Emperor Marcus Aurelius, played by Richard Harris in one of his last roles. Um, to the point that uh, Marcus Aurelius considers him to be an adopted son and names him as his successor to command Rome and convert it to a republic. Um, this is to the great and psychotic envy of Commodus, uh, Marcus Aurelius' son, who he's played by Joaquin Phoenix. And when Commodus finds out that Maximus is going to be his successor, Commodus goes into a rage, kills Marcus Aurelius, and takes the throne for himself. Yeah, you know... If your son is like a, a bit of a, a whiny baby murderous psychopath, mm-hmm. wait until you're home to tell him <laughs> that he's not going to be the king. Maybe have your guards there. Maybe put it in writing somewhere. Yeah. It's like those people in his common, my mom does the state law, the people who, like rich people who die without a will. I didn't know where that sentence was going. <laughs> you know, she does the state law and it's like the, the rich people who have land and all that stuff who have no will. You know, it's amazing. Uh, you know? It, it's more common than you think. Yeah. Some people like that have so much hubris. Exactly. They don't think they're going to die. Exactly. Um, and it's that, like that, me. I have nothing to give. So <laughs> it's that then Godfather two, there's a great line where, um, you know, cause you watch Godfather two and we can talk mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. And by, by your accounts, we've already talked about yeah, this. Yeah. We will have already talked about this by the time you listen to it. See, right now we're planting seeds for when we go back in time for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we're like Bill and Ted when Bill and Ted go backwards and leave themselves little messages. You remember that time in the last podcast that we talked about this in Godfather 2? <laughs> yeah. Uh, whenever um, Al Pacino's character says about Hyman Roth that he thinks he's going to live, he's he's making plans and scheming like he's going to live he's forever. Another 20 years, yeah. Yeah. And he thinks of himself as a young man and he's not. And sometimes it's like you see somebody like Marcus Aurelius, like he's, he, he's on the one hand, he knows he's in poor health, but also he doesn't think like that Commodus might kill him. Commodus might have the throne any minute. Yeah. And so maybe get, like you say, get this on paper, you know, announce this with witnesses. Put this on papyrus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Quill, get, get a scroll to a raven. Get a feather and some ink. <laughs> God. Get yourself an owl. Get me a man with a slate. I like how this went Harry Potter there briefly, you know. <laughs> get yourself a Nimbus 2000. Get the words out, you know. Fly back to Rome, you fool. <laughs> um... So this marks <laughs> Maximus for death. Fly, you fools. <laughs> um, well, I'm, Maximus was like, I don't want it. I want to retire. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. I just want to go home and just like plant wheat with my son. Which, it, it's, a, it's a movie trope. Anytime a character announces that they're going to retire. Might you know, as well walk fucked. in front of a bus. Yeah. They're fucked. 
Yeah. Their family's fucked. Everybody's fucked. Yeah, this is my last fight. After this, I'm going to go home. I'm going to retire. Oh, boxers and cops are especially bad. When they announce yeah. that they're done, yeah. you know it's just dead. And this is 100% the same trope. It's going to be a bloodbath. Right. Or gangsters, thieves, assassins. This is my last job. This is my last job. I'm going to hang it up after this. And it's like you look at your watch. One like, last heist. Well, we're eight minutes in the movie, so nope. You know, sure, be a, Surely this is going to go well. Got to be a bloodbath. And so Maximus's family is killed and... Puts him on the on basically a two and a half hour revenge flick, of you know he gets captured and he gets sent to the gladiatorial pits, turned into a slave. Mm-hmm. He gets sent to where Africa, I believe so, either Africa or the Middle East. I want to say it was Tunisia. Yeah, it's okay. like so, and he, you know, kind of works. I just forget how close Italy and Africa are. Mm-hmm. Well, it's crazy because like having in Spain, it's like you can take a ferry across from Spain to Morocco. And to go to Casablanca, you can go like spend the day there and then come back, take the ferry back. I know. I just, it, it, it's one of those blind spots in my like geography that I just think Europe is there and then Africa is there. No connection. Because we talked about doing that. Like, you know, we go shopping in there and say that we've been to Africa, you know, just yeah. even for a little bit. Hit, hit all the continents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, both of these last movies have to do with, you know, the very, very close proximity between Italy and Africa. Mm hmm. And also, English Patient, one thing I do enjoy about English Patient is it shows, you know, again, we're going forwards in time now. That's right. But, like, how the Africa campaigns in World War II, like, it shows you that you don't always see that. You spend so much time in World War II movies in, in France and in Germany and in that kind of area of the war. You don't see a lot in North Africa, which is where he, the early campaigns were huge. No. Was fighting for the oil reserves across the... Uh, Rommel was a huge part of World War II. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. The Desert Fox. Mm-hmm. You don't see much of that in movies, so I'm glad they did show that in English Patient. You know, yeah. It's a, a neglected side of that that theater of the war. Um, so anyway. So he's enslaved. Yeah. he works Somewhere with, with sand. and he, Which is so coarse and irritating. <laughs> <laughs> um, he works his way up the ranks and ultimately puts him a course on a uh, intersection with Commodus. And he, he does the Mortal Kombat thing. Like, you're the old video game where you basically, like, fight each person and you get, like, tougher and tougher until you get up to the Shao Kahn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I mean, it's, and it, this, you know, you see iconic lines, like, are you not entertained? And, you know, stuff. God, that, that's such a good movie. So. That that line, chills. Yeah. <laughs> chills, I tell you. <laughs> um, And so, I'm curious to see what you thought of it. Or, um, or, or are you more curious to see what I thought of it? I'm more curious to hear what you think because you you said you have a, a hot take on this movie. I think compared to a lot of people. I know a lot of people are very passionate and who love this movie and who give it very high rankings. Yeah. And I have never felt that way, even from the first time I saw it in the theaters. So my And I don't think it's a particularly like outrageous, scandalous take, but it's like, to me, and this is exactly what I wrote watching. This is a solid, it's well-made, it's a well-acted movie, it's entertaining, and I think it's completely overrated. Do you think it checks more of the boxes of like an action movie than it does like a film? It's an entertaining action movie. I don't see the big Oscar-winning triumph of it. Yeah. Um, nothing about it's particularly bad. Nothing about it's particularly great. Sure. You know, Ridley Scott's done better movies, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Ridley, Ridley Scott's done a ton of great movies. Ridley Scott's done worse movies. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, go check out Gerard Depardieu's Christopher Columbus. He's, he's done some dumpers, that's for sure. Yeah. 
Russell Crowe has done better movies, better performances. Go look at him in The Insider. Look at him uh, in Justice League as, <laughs> as Jor-El. Um, that movie is so goddamn long, I forgot most of it. <laughs> I don't have enough CPU to ha- process that entire movie. Yeah, we don't, we don't like to think about it. <laughs> um, but, you know, Oliver Reed, and this, is, and this was a posthumous movie for Oliver Reed, who plays Proximo. Yeah. He, he died. This Much like The Crow, they had to finish his, the, his part with CGI. Yeah, so I was reading up on this because um, I was just looking up, you know, when he died, what time it was like. So I guess they had a clause in his contract that was... He was basically insured. Mm-hmm. So if he died, they got like $25 million or something to do reshoots. Mm-hmm. But everyone was so fucking sick of doing filming that they just were like, all right, we're just going to ride around it. Yeah. Just get a body double for parts. Yeah. But they ended up just like doing some some rewrites. He was in the final scene. It was supposed to be him fighting against Maximus mm-hmm. in the pit. Yeah. But Which would have been a hell of an ending. Would have been cool, right? Oliver Reed is one of the people he and and the movie about him would be fascinating because he was larger than life. He was part of that generation with Richard Harris, with Peter O'Toole, with Richard Burton, like hard partying, hard drinking, you know, four scotches before we get out of bed. Looked 60 by the time they were 40. Lived hard. So um, a movie about those guys would be fascinating to watch because they were some hard partiers. Um, But to me, again, it's a good movie, not a great movie. That's I'm, fair. I get that. It's never really connected me with like, oh my god, this is a masterpiece. Got some good lines. I like Russell Crowe. I like the, I like the action of it. I mean, it's got good cinema. I mean, it's like, to me, it's also kind of by the numbers of like, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is the typical spoiled prince who wants the throne. Yeah. Oh, there, oh no. The story is very like there are a lot of tropes. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of like you know, old reliables mm-hmm. going into this movie. Um, you know, it's not. It's not reinventing anything, but it's like a cool, like really well done movie. Yeah. Like it's really well filmed. It's great direction, great cinematography. Um, the story is just, it's it's fast paced. Like where, you know, things kind of lull plot wise, they fill it in with like really cool action. Mm-hmm. They do. They do like that. Really cool effects, like really well done. Fucking uh, tigers. Fucking tigers. Mm-hmm. Chariots, dude. So there was the whole trope or joke, um, you know, over the last year of like, hey, ask your ask your boyfriend how often he thinks about the Roman Empire. <laughs> it's like fucking every day, man. Mm-hmm. It's because of this movie. Mm-hmm. This movie kind of set the tone of like, the Roman Empire was cool. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Aqueducts. Mm-hmm. They had so many aqueducts. Yeah. They had freaking stadiums. They had sporting events. Yeah. Well, and, and, and to think about like how much the Roman Empire changed over the course, depending on the leader, mm-hmm. you know, and how they wanted to get back to a republic and wanted to get back to those, like, democratic ideals, but it's fucking Caesar mm-hmm. messing everything up. Yep. So, I don't know. That's why they made entire tragedies about it. Yeah, well, someone should have stabbed him. <laughs> tell you what. As, yeah. I tell you what. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I would give this a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10 is fair. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I feel like there's so many people who would say, oh, this is 10s. This is awesome. I, I mean, you know. And in this stretch of movies, I can't give Godfather a 10 and give this one a 10. To it's, me, no, it's no blood sport. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and everybody has their own their own special 10s that they would rate up there. But it's like, to me, and I write this in my notes, that the difference between this 7 and Godfather's 10 is huge. It's a it's a large three points. Yeah, yeah. But you know, given a movie like I, I can't think of it, but like even a certain movie like a six, let's say you watch like Mission Impossible Two, 
give it a six. The difference between that six and this seven is pretty decent size, but not huge. Yeah. But yeah, it, it it's a mountain between here and The Godfather. Yeah. The Godfather is a perfect movie. And what and again, we've already talked about We've this. already talked about how much we love Godfather. It's and a, how perfect it is. It's a perfect movie. To um, me, this is not a perfect movie. Um what what would you have liked to see? Like what would it have taken for you to get this movie from a seven to an eight or an eight to a nine? Um I think more depth and more more dimensions because it's like Russell Crowe's character is to me, I don't want to say he's one dimensional, but he's all, he's almost he's gonna fight his way out of any situation. He's he, you know, he, he's he has got like, a tactile mind. He's almost superhero. Yeah, you know he's yeah. you know you know he's gonna whip most people. The only way he you know dies in the end, spoiler alert, is because he gets morally wounded before the fight even starts. Yeah, you know that's the only way that he can ever be beaten. You know it's like oh here's Superman, we're gonna give him just a big necklace of kryptonite just to make sure he loses. You know, it's like he's almost, but he's also almost supernaturally good for like. It's uh, like the only way that he can be challenged mm -hmm. is if he's, you know, like hamstrung at the beginning of the fight. And he right? almost seems to have like no real character flaws. He's a good and decent man. He's a decent husband. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he fights for no, you know. He's a decent husband. We don't, we don't ever see him be a husband. We see him just be like, uh, you know, crying about his. his yeah lost family but even as a warrior it's like he's tired of war you know he's not a bloodthirsty killer yeah. it's like he wants he, he wants to go home and farm yeah you know he, he there's almost there's not a character flaw to him there's no shame but at the same time it's like flip that around for communists it's like you know he's like to me he's again, all villain yeah he's, he's got all the bad traits. he's all he's all joffrey you no know, game of thrones qualities. yeah yeah he, he is he is put in the story for that reason to be pure evil and to have no depth and dimension and to me, the thing I like again, the this, the difference between here, this and The Godfather, you look at Michael Corleone. He is an extremely complicated individual. There's a lot of depth and dimension to him, yeah. and there's a lot of evolution in the span of the movies. Yeah, he's not the same character that he was at the beginning of the movie. And whereas Maximus is still Maximus, he's mm -hmm. just you know a little bit angrier and a little bit older. And when Commodus dies, he's still Commodus. You know, yeah. There's not. A, there's they're very static characters, yeah. and they're very one dimensional to me. And again, it's like you look at characters again over the course. Of even the two Godfather movies, like Fredo and Tom Hanks, they change a lot over the span of those movies, which we've already talked about in depth. Yes, you've heard this already. <laughs> but to me, that's the difference in a seven and a ten is movies that accomplish that, that make you feel like the characters have gone somewhere. Yeah. So. Yeah, I my metric is always when I think about you know when I rate a movie a nine, what brings it to a ten? Yeah. It's you know having that emotional depth of having that like, okay, I leave the theater feeling something or I leave, you know, impacted by the movie. Yeah. And I think one of the, like one of the best movies over the last few years for me has been everything everywhere all at once. Mm -hmm. We're just like, it's just, it's a beautiful movie from start to finish and you just feel something. Yeah. This movie is really beautiful and like it's badass and it's cool. It's, it's a very shallow movie. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of depth. There's not a lot of like, you know, character development. There's not a lot of characters. I mean, mm -hmm. you just sort of have like your three or four main characters, and then there's like some ancillary lines here and there. Mm -hmm. I think for what it is, it's a great movie. I like it, hella rewatchable. I actually rewatched this movie just a couple months ago before you even told us what we were going to watch. Yeah. And so when it was on the list, I was like, <clears throat> oh, cool. That's one less movie you have to watch. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just one of those movies that like it, if it's on, like, badass. Yeah. I'm going to watch Gladiator. Like, yeah. Are you not entertained? Like, hell yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, I, I'd give this movie an 8.5 for just being awesome. Yeah. You know? And, um, and you can't deny that you know, like in that situation, your emotional impact of it. Yeah. What you feel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it has an impact in the sense that like it lingers with me. And like, I think about this movie, like this movie, like is kind of like the gold standard of like gladiator movies to go back and like compare to. And you are entertained by it. Yeah. Like Ben Hur, they've remade Ben Hur like five or six times. Mm -hmm. It's no fucking gladiator. No gladiators. Badass. Yeah. They're making a gladiator too, by the way. With Pedro Pascal. Denzel Washington. Yeah. Yeah. With Ridley Scott as a director, is that right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I might, I might want to check that out. Oh, I'm gonna check it out. It's gonna yeah. be badass. Yeah. So not it's a bad movie, but not no, one of my I favorite. totally valid criticisms. It's shallow. It's um, visual. I, yeah. It's it is just kind of like a cool blockbuster movie. It's very much popcorny. Top Gun Maverick. I never saw Top Gun Maverick, but did it win? It was nominated. I know it was nominated, but it mm-hmm. didn't win. Right? No. That was last year. Two years ago, I kind of just try not Somewhere to in see there. his movies. <laughs> That's how my wife is. She cannot stand Tom Cruise, dude. Awful. I mean, him jump him, on a couch, bro. Yeah, him coming out against postpartum depression, like just <laughs> she was outraged by that. What a weird thing to take a stance on. Yeah, and what a what a weird hill for a man to die on. Something that he has no chance of ever experiencing. You know. Uh, that's that's a whole other that's a whole that's other a whole podcast. Other podcast. <laughs> that, that's past our pay grade. Yeah. Um. So I'm a seven, and you are an eight point five. Is that right? Yeah. But what do we rate the movies? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Got him. Oh man! It tells you like, I mean, four hours sleep took me a little bit to get that. <laughs> that had a, that has that was a lit fuse for a while. Just kind of <laughs> took me a minute to get that. Yeah, I'd give it an eight five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're both solid nines. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Just cute as a bug's ear. That's right. Um, it's a combo eighteen right here. <laughs> uh, that's our man name. We start looking. Combo eighteen. Combo eighteen. I like that. <laughs> um, One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> that first song we ever play live is Mambo Number Five. Just FYI. Lou Bega. Mm-hmm. My man. <laughs> um. But yeah, this has been another episode of Cinema Vino. Uh, Toro Moron, Tempranillo. Get it wherever good Spanish wines are sold. Um, Gladiator. Um, Best Picture winner 2000. So this is another entry in our Best Picture series. Continue next week with The English Patient, which again, we've already done, but you haven't heard yet. So Just you wait. Times are confusing. Um, but yeah, great movies. Only drunker. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.